From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council. An honor to be filling in for Tony and extremely pleased and grateful to have you joining us as well. We're taking a break from the news cycle today to bring you this special back-to-school edition of Washington Watch. There are few issues as important as the education of our children. And recently, few issues have generated more passion than education policy. So today on the program, I'll discuss the state of parental rights in education with the chairwoman of the House Committee on Education and Workforce, Congresswoman Virginia Fox, as well as FRC's Meg Kilgannon. Then, as parents see the need to engage with their local schools, an increasing number are standing up. They're going to school board meetings, and many of them are even running for a seat on local school boards. I'll talk about this with Amy Sneed from Moms for Liberty. Also, could you use maybe a back-to-school toolkit to be better equipped for the new school year? Well, an organization called Courage is a Habit offers this, as well as many other resources for parents and students. I'll be talking with the founder of Courage is a Habit, Alvin Louie, as the program goes on. And then, as Christians, educating our children and grandchildren is about much more than simply education. It's about creating disciples. I'll close the program today speaking with a ministry that provides biblical instruction to public school students, and then we'll talk about how churches and communities, communities can create their own schools and offer a balanced instruction from a Christian perspective to students. So we've got a packed show. The website, as always, TonyPerkins.com. A lot of tremendous resources there for you. So be sure to visit that website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let's jump into the uh, issues that we are going to cover today. Parental rights in education. This continues to create waves in school districts all throughout the country. That's one reason why House Republicans passed the Parents' Bill of Rights earlier this year. Well, why is this such an important piece of legislation? Well, joining me now to discuss this and more is Congresswoman Virginia Fox. She serves as the chairwoman of the House Committee on Education and Workforce. She's also a member of the House Oversight and Reform Committee. In fact, she and I sat beside each other on that committee for several years. She represents the uh, uh, 5th Congressional District of North Carolina. Dr. Fox, welcome back to Washington Watch. Great to see you. Hey, thanks, Jody. It's great to see you. I miss having you sitting next to me. Well, likewise, I really do. We had a lot of great times and uh, good, good to be in the battle side by side, literally, with you. A lot of people may not know this, Virginia, but you got your start in politics when you ran for a seat on your local school board. Uh, real quickly, That's tell right. us about that. Well, I was at I was observing school board meetings for the League of Women Voters to make sure that people in the community knew what was going on because there was often no press. And so one night I was at a school board meeting, and the school board members were very incompetent that night. 
and somebody said, why don't you run for the school board? And I said, oh, I'm not qualified. You know, women tend to think that they don't have the qualifications, Jody. So I, he said, you mean you're not as qualified as those turkeys are? So I said, well, I've got a <laughs> master's degree in education. I'm teaching at Appalachian State University. I have a child in school. Went home, told my husband, you know, Ron thinks I should run for the school board. He said, I think that's a good idea. Now, let me tell you, I lost my first election by about 200 votes. But I didn't let that stop me. I ran again, and the next time I was the top vote getter. So sometimes you have to run more than once to win. But I served uh, three four-year terms on the school board, and uh, I think I was a very effective member. I worked hard at it. I studied the issues. Sometimes it was four-to-one votes. uh, But later on, those guys would often come around to join me. So it was an excellent experience and really helped prepare me to be chairwoman. I lay, I was working at the university at the time, so I have university experience as a teacher and as an administrator, and then I became the president of a community college. So, um, Jody, I have experience at all three levels of education, and it, those have really made me uh, experienced and qualified to serve in the position the Lord's put me in right now. Absolutely, and you do a great job at it, Virginia, I can tell you that. All right, let's jump to the uh, Parents' Bill of Rights. Uh, You were a champion of that. Uh, Why is that such an important piece of legislation? Well, first of all, let me say the only good thing that came out of COVID, Jody, uh, in my opinion, is how it exposed education at all levels for how bad it is in this country. And so Republicans wanted to make sure that the public understands we are the champions of education freedom. We should have education freedom for every child, every parent in this country. So we put forth the Parents' Bill of Rights, and um, I, I might glance at my notes to make sure I don't miss anything, because we think there are five essential elements that parents need. Number one, to know what their children are being taught. I don't see how anybody could argue with that. They need to be heard by educators and policymakers. So if you want to talk to the teachers and the principals and the school board members, you should be able to do that. They need to see the school budget and how the money's being spent. They need to know where the money's coming from, what influence it might be having on the school programs, and where the money's going. They will need to be able to protect their child's privacy. Schools are selling information on students to, to outside sources, and those outside sources are then contacting students directly in many cases. We don't think that's right. Their privacy should be protected. Our Constitution requires that. And then we want uh, parents to be able to help keep their children safe by making sure that they have information on anything that is happening uh, that could put their child in danger, such as the case up in Virginia where uh, the uh, boy masquerading as a girl um, uh, sexually assaulted a child in one school, was transferred to another school because nobody knew about it. The administrators, the bureaucrats kept it secret. So we want that information out there to parents. They have a right to know that. Absolutely. Well, Congresswoman Virginia Fox, thank you for the incredible work that you're doing and uh, that you have done. We are grateful for you coming on this special edition of Washington Watch, sharing your expertise with us as well. 
God bless you. Keep the torch ablaze there in Congress. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jody and Tony and everyone there for what you're doing to make sure people are informed about what Republicans and conservatives are doing in the Congress and what the liberals are doing in the Congress or attempting to do. It's very important that people understand the two sides of the issues that we're dealing with. Absolutely. We'll keep it up. Thank you. All right, continuing the conversation on parental rights and education, joining me now with an overview of what we've been seeing across the country and where we're headed when it comes to parental rights and education is Meg Kilgannon. She's a senior fellow for education studies here at the Family Research Council, and she, of course, served in the U.S. Department of Education during the Trump administration. Meg, great to see you again. Thanks for joining us. It's great to be here, Jody. It's great to see you. All right, we've seen a lot, really a lot of momentum in the uh, area of parental rights and education, even in California, some uh, school districts there mandating that parents be told if their child identifies as a different gender at school. But if you can, kind of give us the big picture across the country of where we stand, uh, both the, the good and the bad. Sure. Well, we're at a we're really at a crossroads, and some of these examples that you talked about reflect a, a, a real difference of opinion on um, what should the role of parents be in school. There are people on the left who believe that they are the education experts and that once your kid is at the school, your child walks through the door, they're really in charge. And then we have people on the right who would like to have a little more of a say about what's happening in the schools. Um, they, that they're, we know that our children are gifts from God given to us to, to, to make sure that they, we train them up to know, love, and serve him. And so we want to make sure that, we are, that, that, that that's possible and that that, that that is not being undermined in the situation that they're in in school. And so... Um, this is playing out in particular on the issue of gender identity and whether or not a school system is going to even tell a parent that their child has made a declaration at school that they would like to be called another name or they would like to be treated as another gender or that they feel they've been born in the wrong body. Um, in, in states like California and recently in New Jersey, the, the the governors there, the attorney generals there, have have taken action to to say that no, you can't do it. And so we really encourage school boards, like the ones in California and the ones in New Jersey, who at the school board level passed resolutions saying no. In our school system, we will tell parents what's happening with their children. If your child makes a declaration well, this about this, we're going to tell you. Yeah, and, and I mean, parents need to know about that. Uh, as we look at all of this, Meg, the transgender issue obviously is taking all the oxygen out of the room. It seems like that is these. But there's a lot of other issues uh, that parents have been pushing back on as well. What, what are some of those? Sure. There's a lot of concern about school discipline policies and whether or not the the very progressive um, the kind of policies that you see, like at district attorneys level and, and, and commonwealth's attorney levels, um, who are not prosecuting crime, some of those sensibilities are flowing into the school system. And children who are not behaving in school are not necessarily facing consequences for their actions. And parents aren't being notified of those situations either. Um, it's not happening in every school, but it's happening in a lot of schools. 
And this is this is something that parents really need to be engaged on. Um, does your school district have re- school resource officers, for example? Um, th- this this is a, a big question. Some schools are pulling their school resource officers out, and so th- this is a problem. Do do, the, do your does your school allow warrants to be served on? Um, students who may be charged with a crime or a teacher who might be charged with a crime. I mean, these are these are tough issues and they're things that we all really need to be concerned about and be aware that school isn't just about education. There are so many things that play out in the school system. There are budgetary issues, transportation issues, infrastructure issues. What are the buildings used for? Where are we going to build the new school? Are we going to build the new school? These are really important issues that are faced by every community. The value of your home is tied to these issues. The the location of new business in your community, businesses want to know they have an educated workforce for employees. So there are so many consequences of these educational issues, and we must, Nick, we we've must got about engage. Thir- got about, we've got about 30 seconds. I know there's a lot of resources we have at FRC and FRC Action. Uh, Tell us where people can go to get more information and access some resources. You can go to frc.org slash education, and you can go to frc.org slash schools to visit our school board boot camp. That is excellent. Meg Kilgannon, always great to have you on the program. You are uh, an encyclopedia of information, and you do it with a great spirit. Thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, Meg Kilgannon, thank you so much. Friends, stay tuned. There's much more ahead on this special edition, back-to-school edition of Washington Watch. We'll be back after the break. Are you passionate about praying for our nation, advancing God-honoring policy, and standing for biblical truth? Are you troubled by what you see happening in our culture? If you are, we would like to invite you to join Family Research Council and FRC Action in Washington, D.C. for the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit. This event will feature prominent speakers, including former President Donald Trump, Dr. Ben Carson, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, Senator Josh Hawley, swimmer Riley Gaines, and many more. Join us from September 15th through 17th for this national gathering of spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives. Register today by texting PVS to 67742, or for more information, please visit us online at prayvotestand.org. Again, text PVS to 67742, or visit prayvotestand.org. We hope to see you there. Now more than ever, Christians must be aware of the issues that threaten the culture and the church, and know how to address them from a biblical perspective. To this end, Family Research Council's David Clausen, along with co-authors Denny Burke and Colin Smothers, released a new book titled Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage. Written to help Christians understand what Scripture teaches about these topics, this book also shares a biblical approach to talking about them. In addition, it provides answers to common questions about things like preferred pronouns, identity, intersex conditions, and more. Questions that Christians must be prepared to answer with love and without compromise. Included in this study, readers will find complimentary videos by Drs. Albert Moeller, Heath Lambert, Christopher Yuan, Rosaria Butterfield, Rev. H.B. Charles, and others that expound upon the themes of each chapter. 
Order your copy of Male and Female, He Created Them at HeCreatedThem.org. Are you tired of worn-out talking points, misleading media bias, and hopeless commentary? You need a news source you can trust. The Washington Stand Family Research Council's online news platform provides readers with free, reliable news and commentaries, all from a biblical perspective. Based in Washington, D.C., our reporters provide the facts on the biggest stories of the day, ranging from updates on critical Supreme Court cases to coverage on the latest public education stories to the newest developments in domestic and international religious liberty issues. The Washington Stand covers all of this and more. If you want to stay up to date and informed on what's going on in the U.S. and around the world that impacts faith, family, and freedom, then check out The Washington Stand. Just go to WashingtonStand.com. Stay in the know, be encouraged, and stand firm in truth by visiting WashingtonStand.com today. Good afternoon. Welcome back to this special back-to-school edition of Washington Watch. I'm your host, Jody Heiss. An honor to have you on board with us. Well, it's the duty of every parent to be engaged in their children's education. We need to know what our kids are being taught. We also need to know who's teaching them. We need to be engaged with what's going on, and there's a growing trend of conservative parents recognizing that one of the best ways to do this includes going to school board meetings and even maybe even running for a seat on the local school board. Here to highlight ways for you, yes, here to highlight ways for you to be engaged with your local school board is Amy Sneed. She's the chapter chair of Moms for Liberty in Bedford County, Virginia. Amy, welcome to Washington Watch. Great to have you. Thank you. It's great to be here with you this afternoon. Well, can you share with us how you were led to become more engaged with your local school system, how it all started for you? Yeah, I'll be honest. I think it goes back to my own childhood. My mom was very involved in our school. She was um, involved in all of our PTA events. My Some of my earliest memories are attending PTA meetings with my mom. And so as my husband and I got married and started our own family, I knew that was something that was really important to me. We have four boys who now have been, so we've been involved in the public education system for almost 12 years. Our oldest son is in 11th grade. And so that's just always been something that's been important to me, serving in our kids' schools um, as a room mom, planning parties and teacher appreciation weeks and all the kinds of things that you do to be involved with your children's school. Now, I will say that when COVID hit, sort of everything ramped up a notch. So we started seeing things happening in our children's school that made us question whether or not the people in positions to make decisions over them were actually making the best decisions for our students or were making decisions that went against what we would have decided as parents. And so we really decided to up our engagement at that point. Well, and that's something I think a lot of parents all across the country are beginning to realize that they need to step it up as well. And it's it's fascinating to me how Moms for Liberty uh, really has become a growing movement across the country. What would you describe as the driving force behind uh, Moms for Liberty, uh, and, and how is it being received overall, do you think? 
Well, I've heard it said before, the most dangerous place to be is between a mother and her child. And I think that's what we saw. And that's what really spurred people's involvement to get engaged with Moms for Liberty. So, you know, I think what we see boots on the ground, our chapter has been in place. We actually just celebrated our two-year anniversary this month. And so we were fairly early on in this as an organization. Um, it was established two and a half years ago in Florida. And so what we've seen is the more parents that hear about this movement, the more they're saying, I agree with you. I didn't know there were others who felt this way. I've been wanting a way to get involved and get engaged. And I think Moms for Liberty provides that avenue for parents moms, dads, aunts, uncles, community members, it's not limited to moms, but Moms for Liberty provides that structure and organization for parents who want to get more involved. Well, and you really have become an organization in so many ways that's on the tip of the spear. How have you, now you're in Virginia, how have you been able to partner with new school board members uh, in the effort to keep the schools there in Bedford County, Virginia, focused on learning and not on political agendas? Yeah, we've been able to build really great relationships with our school board members. Some of our current school board members are actually dads who were standing outside of school board meetings when we were not from being permitted in the building or when speaking time was being limited. And we were basically creating our own meetings outside of these meetings. And there were dads um, who were standing up along with us and they decided themselves to run for school board and now sit um, on the other side of those school board tables at the meetings. And so we've been able to build great relationships and that's a, a paramount of our organization. One of our values is that we are joyful warriors. We are not there to scream and tear everything down. We are there to stand for truth and build relationships and empower others. And so it really has been you know, several years now of building relationships with the former school board members and the ones that are currently serving and will continue to serve, you know, for a few more years. So for those who are listening or watching right now all across the country, I'm thinking in particular of the, the parent who says, you know, I'm far too busy to be engaged in the nitty gritty of my child's education. What would you say to that parent who may be watching or listening right now? Well, I would say if they are thinking that they're far too busy to prioritize their children's education, there are some things that could probably be readjusted in your schedule. Um, we're all probably guilty of a little too much scrolling and um, spending time on our phones or getting distracted by other things. And I would argue that there are a few things in life more important than being involved in your child's education. That is the foundation upon which their lives will build. It is um, a huge part of the trajectory of their future and what they will go on to do after they have left their ed their youth education. And so I would say, first of all, if you're listening, you probably don't fall in that category of saying that you're too busy because you're engaged with this. But I would say there are lots of ways to get involved that meet anyone's availability as far as your time frame. And I would say some really practical ways to do that are getting to know who your school board representative is. Um, Myself, along with members of our organization, have spent hundreds of hours talking to members of our community. And most times people do not even know who their elected school board representative is. And so build a relationship with that person pr 
prior to when there has been an issue that arises that you think, I don't know what to do. I need to contact my school board representative. Know who that person is. Tune into a school board meeting. One of the blessings of COVID is that all of the school board meetings are now live streamed. So you can have it playing, you know, in the kitchen while you're packing lunches or prepping dinner for the week and hear what the conversations are. You can hear how your representatives are voting. And then it just strengthens the toolbox that you have of knowledge as to what's actually happening in your local school system. Amy, we're gonna have to wrap it up right there real quickly. Where can folks go to find more information? I would encourage you to visit momsforliberty.org. You can find if there's a local chapter near you or if this has um, made your heart beat a little bit faster, you can start a chapter of your own. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Amy. Coming up next here on Washington Watch, Alvin Louie of Courage is a Habit will join me to highlight some of his back-to-school toolkits. You don't want to miss out on this. Now more than ever, Christians need to be prepared to articulate the truth of God's Word to our culture in an informed and loving manner. That is why Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview exists. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, sexuality, and more, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview, to understand why Scripture must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square. Access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and more, sign up for the Center for Biblical Worldviews newsletter at frc.org slash subscriptions. Hi, I'm Joseph Backholm, host of the Outstanding Podcast, inviting you to join me as we discuss the news of the day and the issues that shape us. Christians are commanded to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. That in mind, the Outstanding Podcast takes you behind the headlines to help you understand what happened and why. If you're looking for something informative and casual that will help you see what God is doing in the world, the Outstanding Podcast is free. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or find it at WashingtonStand.com. It's not just another podcast. It's Outstanding. Scripture is our daily spiritual bread, and just as we eat every day for the nourishment of our body, we ought to spend time with God and His Word for the nourishment of our mind and soul. Reading the Bible daily helps us to better understand and grow closer to the Father. It also prepares and equips us to do good work for God's kingdom. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. Start reading today by visiting frc.org Bible. Good afternoon. Welcome back to this special back-to-school edition of Washington Watch. I'm Jody Heiss, a senior vice president here at the Family Research Council, and thank you so much for joining us. Well, on today's program, we've already discussed parental rights in education as a general rule, and also how you can be engaged with your local school board. Well, now we'll discuss a great back-to-school toolkit that every Christian parent should have as they move throughout this school year. And here to unpack it literally for us is Alvin Louie. He's the president of Courage is a Habit, which is the organization that put this back-to-school resource together. 
Alvin, welcome back to Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you. No, it's an honor to be here. It's always a pleasure to be on this uh, wonderful show. It's good to see you, Jody. Well, it's great to see you as well. Listen, let's just start with this toolkit. I think this is a fantastic idea. What inspired you to put it together and what kind of stuff is in it? Well, we know that as school is starting, a lot of parents are either start starting to see and hear that school isn't what they thought it was when they were going to school. Uh, some parents have already been fighting uh, a lot of the political and sexual indoctrination that's happening in all 50 states. It's not a red or blue state thing. Uh, and then some parents have really been fighting over the last two or three years. So instead of doing a checklist, which is just more things for parents to, to, to add on their, on their to-do list, we wanted to make a toolkit for everybody. So this toolkit uh, has something if you're a parent that's just coming in and hearing that there's something not right with the schools, there's something for you. We've got two uh, very easy to follow volumes that, that, that we link. And that's all you got to do. There's no acronyms. There's no prerequisites to understand. If you just want to find out what's in your child's school and find out for yourself, we provide two volumes for you that you can pick and choose and, and, and kind of create an a la carte for yourself. We walk you through how to use those two volumes. Uh, makes it very easy for the average parent. Then if you've been fighting, if you've been looking at things and understanding that there's some real serious political and sexual indoctrination uh, but you've been fighting one way, we give you three tactics that are fresh, gives you a new perspective, and hopefully inspires you to come up with things on your own as well. So it's not the usual uh, tactics that we saw seeing parents trying to kind of uh, hit a butt up against the wall. Then if you're a parent who is maybe leading a parent group, or you already spoke in front of school boards a lot, or you're dealing with uh, school counselors and teachers and superintendents, and you've been You've been really struggling with that over the last couple of years. We have something for you that's because you're a little more experienced. We give you some tactics that really kind of puts you in the uh, puts the offense back in your hands instead of you feeling that you're playing defense all the time. And that we give you something to ask because in, in this space here, we're a lot of stop this, stop that, which is true because there's a lot of things that are wholly inappropriate for children. Uh, but we also want to teach parents to ask for things. And uh, if the school can't give it, then you start seeing some of that hypocrisy uh, and then you can kind of expose some of that. So that's for parents who have a little more experience. And then after that, we have a whole page for tools for all parents. Does it matter what your experience level? And so we provide four or five of those tools. And then at the very end, uh, of course, we uh, talk about the, the to give you some tool for the transgender fight. Obviously, the transgender social contagion uh, is very much in the school's. Uh, through social emotional learning, uh, through the culture. And so we give you three tools that really kind of give you real facts so that you feel confident in standing up for your kids against the social contagion. And then, of course, at the very last page, we give you uh, an opt-out form uh, that you can use. That's fantastic. Now, we've only got a couple of minutes left, but last time that uh, you were on the show with us, we addressed some of the issues that are plaguing so many of our public schools today. And sure. look, no doubt there are many great teachers out there, but there are some school officials out there that are just bad apples that parents need to be keeping an eye out for, and probably they're in the school district right there where these parents are, all across the country, right? Absolutely. There are so many great uh, teachers and school counselors, but the systems that are training them have all been co-opted. So those good ones become silenced, they get bullied, 
just like parents feel that way. So one of the one of the greatest dangers for children's today, probably the one, the main one for us, what we've seen is the school counselors. They're from the American School Counselor Associations. These school counselors, uh, they bring in the indoctrination through the guise of mental health, social emotional learning, these very soft skills that all of us want our children to learn, but they don't do it through the same lens as you do. So what we want to tell parents is they use your vocabulary, but not your dictionary. And we will provide a tool uh, that kind of helps parents understand how school counselors weaponize your kindness uh, to get to your children. Uh, and that's, I, I believe, linked on your show notes as well. All right. Well, yeah, we've only got maybe a minute or so left. So, so expound on that. Some of the, Real quickly, some of the other resources that you offer and how parents can get their hands on them. Absolutely. Another tool that we released uh, that was that we're super proud of is called Beyond the Workplace. You can find it at courageisahabit.org under tools. Uh, also, courageisahabit.org also allows you to access our catalog of tools that are made for the average parent. We don't make these tools for parents who are uh, politicians or lifelong activists, nothing like that. We provide it for you, the parents that don't have uh, 10, 15 hours. Maybe you don't even have four hours a week. Uh, So courageisahabit.org, Beyond the Workplace, teaches you how to leverage your workplace HR training to protect your children. Because a lot of what your children are being faced with, if it happened to you at your workplace, you would go right to HR and it would stop. So why is it that we can protect adults, but we can't protect children? So courageisahabit.org, that's the place to go. Uh, And you can follow us at our socials, at Courage Habit. And we're a nonprofit, so any support people give us would be appreciated. Thank you, Alvin Louie, president of Courage is a Habit. We appreciate you joining us on Washington Watch. All right, friends, don't go anywhere. There's much more when we come back as we continue this special back-to-school edition of Washington Watch. Stay tuned. We'll be back in a moment. Reading Scripture consistently and in a meaningful way can sometimes prove to be difficult. Many don't know where to begin or struggle to understand how to apply the passages they read to daily life. Scripture is our daily spiritual bread. And just as we eat every day for the nourishment of our body, we ought to spend time with God and His Word for the nourishment of our mind and soul. Reading the Bible daily helps us to better understand and grow closer to the Father. It also prepares and equips us to do good work for God's kingdom. That's why Family Research Council offers the Stand on the Word Bible Reading Plan. It's a two-year plan that will help you read Scripture daily so you can better know God's truth, walk through our culture from a biblical worldview, and love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. The persecution of Christians grows globally every year and continues to become more aggressive and dangerous. Family Research Council's Leela Gilbert, Ariel Del Turco, and Lieutenant General Jerry Boykin's book, Heroic Faith, shares the true stories from those who have faced religious persecution and takes a look at the heartbreaking circumstances Christians encounter due to the difficult and sometimes deadly hostility to their faith. Get your copy wherever books are sold or at frc.org slash heroicfaith. We live in a culture that has lost sight of what is true. Many, including Christians, are searching for answers to life's most important questions. 
Research from George Barna shows just 9% of self-identified Christians demonstrate a biblical worldview by living out what God has revealed in Scripture. With this in mind, Family Research Council's Center for Biblical Worldview has partnered with Summit Ministries to present Now We Live, a free six-episode video series designed to encourage worldview discussions central to the Christian faith. Each episode offers practical instruction led by well-known Christian voices like Tony Perkins, Jeff Myers, Kirk Cameron, Lee Strobel, and others. Now We Live is an excellent discipleship resource for churches, small groups, and families. Equip yourself and other Christians about what it means to have and live a biblical worldview. Access this important series by going to frc.org worldview. Join Family Research Council and FRC Action from September 15th through 17th in Washington, D.C. for the 2023 Pray Vote Stand Summit. This event will feature prominent speakers, including former President Donald Trump, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, and many more. We hope you will attend this national gathering of spiritually active, governance-engaged conservatives. Register today by texting PBS to 67742 or visit us online at prayvotestand.org. FRC celebrating 40 years with its first president, Jerry Regeer. Family Research Council is extremely important. And I think there's a lot of people, both both in the Christian world as well as on Capitol Hill, that really depend on the research and the input that FRC gives them. And uh, the impact you've had on both Congress and Senate, as well as uh, America at large, is really quite amazing. Congratulations. Thank you, Jerry Regeer, FRC's first president. Friends, listen, the countdown is here just a few more days before our big Pray, Vote, Stand Summit. It's on September 15th through 17th here in Washington, D.C., celebrating 40 years of standing for faith, family, and freedom. And we would love to see you there to come join us on this special occasion celebrating 40 years, but also preparing for what's ahead. Registration is now open. You can get more details and you can register by going to prayvotestand.org. And we hope again to see you there for that Pray Vote Stand Summit. All right, as Christian parents with children in public schools seek options for their children to receive some biblical instruction, many of them are taking advantage of release time programs that allow public school students to stay on campus during school hours to participate in religious instructions. Yes, you got that right. This religious instruction on the campuses of public schools. There's an Ohio-based ministry that launched in 2019 that specializes in biblical instruction to public school students, and the ministry is booming. It's expanded now to over 300 schools across some 11 states. Uh, Some 30,000 students are involved this year. And joining me now to talk about it is Joel Pinton. He's the founder and CEO of LifeWise Academy. Joel, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. It's an honor to have you. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, let's just begin by uh, telling us a little bit about the ministry, uh, LifeWise Academy. What is it and what do you offer? 
Yeah, well, we provide, just as you said, Bible education for public school students during school hours. Most people think that sounds crazy in 2023, uh, but little do uh, most people realize, I didn't realize it until recently, that in 1952, the Supreme Court ruled that public school students can be released from public school during school hours to receive religious religious instruction as long as the program is off school property privately funded and students have parental permission. Uh, I believe it's the single greatest missed opportunity of the American church to reach the next generation with the word of God. As you mentioned, we launched the program in 2019. We take students off site to a nearby facility during the school day. We teach them a Bible lesson. We bring them back. And after launching with two pilot programs just a few years ago, uh, we're now serving over 300 schools. And as of a couple days ago, it's now not just across the 11 states it's across 12. Amazing. Yeah, we have a similar uh, ministry here in my home state of Georgia that is, is seeing similar results as yours. I mean your, your ministry is exploding. I mean y'all have gone from uh, being in some 130 plus public schools to now well over 300 and you know, I, look students as well as parents are responding. Uh, the, this boom is scratching an itch is really what it tells us. What are you, uh, what can you tell us about some of the feedback that you're receiving both from parents and students? Oh, well, that's, I mean, how much time do we have? We get stories every single day about the impact uh, in the lives. I was just speaking in a church on Sunday morning, this past Sunday, and a woman came up to me between the two services and said, hey, I want to thank you for for LifeWise. Uh, my uh, kids and I are in this church because of LifeWise. We got connected because my daughter started going to these LifeWise uh, Academy Bible classes, and just a couple weeks ago, we got baptized. And that's the, uh, we hear the stories time and time again, and, and we hear from parents and from students and perhaps the way parents are giving us the loudest feedback is just them enrolling their students we are seeing incredibly high participation rates oftentimes more than half of the entire school will enroll in our optional bible class we have one community in northwest ohio there's a thousand students in the elementary school over 900 of them over 90 percent are enrolled in lifewise uh, hearing the bible or learning the bible each and every week and so what we're seeing is that there is a hunger most parents want religious instruction. They want Bible education as part of their kids' public school day. However, most just simply can't uh, do the homeschool or the private school thing. And so in large quantities, they're taking advantage of programs like this. Yeah, great point. And I want to stress again, this is taking place in public schools, and it does serve a need for parents that can't, for whatever reason, get their kids uh, enrolled in a private school or something along those lines. So, Joel, here's the big question. Uh, there, no doubt, are people listening and watching right now that are saying, I would give anything to have something like this <clears throat> in my local school. How can people establish a program like this in their local communities? 
Well, I so appreciate this question. And if you are listening, if you are watching, if you think it sounds like a good idea for public school students in your area to learn the Bible as part of their public school day, then you can get involved. Even if you're not going to be the leader, even if you're not going to be the teacher, everybody can get involved and you can even begin the movement in your community. We have a very simple 10-step process to get a LifeWise started in your community. And it starts with growing community interest. It really starts with a petitioning process. And so you could go Go to our website, lifewise.org, that's L-I-F-E-W-I-S-E.org, and click Find Your School. You can find any school district in the nation, and you can add your name to the community interest list, basically saying, yes, we would like to see this in our community. Share that out, start gathering names, and then we begin the 10-step process of forming a steering committee, drafting a plan. We'll go to the school, and before you know it, God will raise up the right people in your community to get this thing done. So encouraging. Joel Penton, uh, LifeWise Academy. Thank you so much for joining us. And again, that website, LifeWise.org. Is that correct? That's right, LifeWise.org. Thank you for the opportunity. Listen, our pleasure. Thank you so much for your what you're doing, and may God continue to bless abundantly. All right, folks, while we're grateful for ministries such as LifeWise that reach Christian students in public schools, the fact remains that there is an enormous need for Christian parents to seek alternatives for their children's education, and I suppose there's there's never been a greater time than right now. And the solution is clear. Churches need to be proactive in launching schools so that they can help provide quality alternative for Christian families. And thankfully, there are many more churches and communities that are stepping up to do this. And joining me now to discuss this is David Goodwin. He's the director of the Association of Classical Christian Schools, ACCS. David, welcome to Washington Watch. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Well, listen, it is great for us to have you, and we appreciate what you're doing on this special edition of back-to-school issues. There are so many different issues, so let's just jump off the bat here on your particular role. Why is it so important for churches to start or to open Christian schools? Well, you know, for over a thousand years, it was uh, the churches that did the educating. They were the ones responsible, and they sustained the Christian worldview through that process. Um, it's only been the last 100 or 150 years that that's moved away from the schools, uh, away from the churches and into the public school system. So what we're calling for is a form of Christian education called classical Christian education, which seeks to restore that form that was existent before the uh, American public school system developed, and we would love to have churches across the country join with us in building those schools. We have about 500 uh, right now in our membership. We've been operating for the last 30 years, um, and uh, the the demand is really, uh, frankly, going going uh, <clears throat> so high at this point that we're dependent on church buildings and church resources to, to get these schools started. It's amazing. We have four grandchildren, all of whom are in classical education, two in Christian classical. And uh, listen, I can testify personally of just how powerful and effective what you're doing is and what it has done for uh, our our two grandchildren 
who are specifically lined up there with you. Can you tell us a little bit more, people who are not familiar, about your organization and how you really support Christian schools? Sure. Well, our organization uh, is one of, of course, many Christian school organizations. The unique thing about ours is, as you mentioned, I'm glad to hear your your grandchildren are in classical Christian education. It's a unique form. It it really is. Uh, it's one of those words that you don't uh, really know what to do with it. There's classic Coke and classic cars, so you think classic edu- classical education must just be old. But in reality, it was a form of education developed in the church um, after the uh, fall of the Roman Empire, and it maintained, it sustained the church really um, as the primary form of education up until about uh, 1820, 1830. So uh, it had a long run, and it developed most of our founding fathers. It developed the uh, the doctrines of the church, uh, and so it's a very unique form. It studies uh, what we sometimes call the great books. So it it looks to the wisdom of the past. It studies a lot of theology. The students in our schools often learn Latin and Greek uh, as uh, avenues to the past to be able to read original um, manuscripts. But it's really for everybody. It's not something that is just an egghead kind of thing. We've got people uh, pretty much um, from every walk of life. We've got inner city schools. We have uh, schools across the suburbs and in uh, metro areas, and they all uh, have in common a love for the Lordship of Jesus Christ and an establishment of the Christian worldview, which is really, when you think about it, what school does is it builds this this thing called, in the Bible, it's called paideia. That's the Greek word. We now kind of call it worldview. It's a little different than what we think of, but that's the primary function of classical Christian schools, and that's what our organization uh, focuses upon. So what would you, advice-wise, what kind of advice would you have for a church or community that's considering launching a school like this? I know there's many schools that just feel like, we can't do this, uh, we can't pull this off. How can maybe churches pull together, communities work together? What advice would you give some who are listening or watching right now who would love to do this? Well, um, you know, before 2020, we were bringing in about 20 to 30 new schools a year. And at present, we have, in the last two years, brought in about 200 new schools. So our organization has dedicated resources to try and help schools get off the ground. Uh, that's at classicalchristian.org. That's just all one word, classicalchristian.org. And at our website, you can find a variety of resources, uh, and some involve uh, startup uh, practices and startup kits for new schools to get started. So churches can go there if they like. The other thing I like to really emphasize to churches is that this may seem daunting, but really education has been made a, a little bit overcomplicated by all the bureaucracy and all the systems that have to be there for things like public schools. Um, really, all it takes is a room, a teacher, and some kids. Now, of course, the teacher has to be, you know, gifted at teaching. It's a it's a spiritual gift, but um, you know, don't think too small is too small. Uh, most of our schools start with between three and uh, twelve students the first year. And you can blend classrooms. You can use what are called pod schools, where you get a single teacher that teaches across multiple ages. There's a whole lot of ways you can do this. It doesn't have to be uh, 
you know, some, it doesn't have to start out as a great big brick and mortar kind of operation. Now, having said that, many of our schools grow into that, and that's where the success of classical Christian education has, uh, you know, become available to many communities around the country. Also at classicalchristian.org, we have a school finder, much like the former guest mentioned, where you can um, click the schools button up in the upper right-hand corner, and you can go through and look at all the schools. We've made it really easy to shop, uh, to look. Most we have, I don't know, I think it's now up over uh, 200,000 visitor, unique visitors a year to that site just looking for classical Christian schools. So um, there's, uh, we put a lot of resources in to make it easy for families and churches to be able to find a classical Christian school near them. That's fantastic. And we've got a, a just right at a minute left. I know you've got a lot of other resources for parents as well as for schools. Again, that website, classicalchristian.org. In the last uh, 45 seconds or so that we have, what is your hope and what is your prayer as you engage in this work and face a, a brand new school year? Well, that's a great question. Um, I will say that our parent resource area is called classicaldifference.com, classicaldifference.com. But I will say that my hope and prayer uh, is that parents will, in this cultural moment where things are so challenging, um, so many just evil things are going on in, in the public uh, sphere. It's time for us as Christians to come back to the kingdom, to come back to Christ, to dedicate all uh, all of the universe, all of the world to his service and to Got his about glory. 15 seconds, David. So that's what I would say is my hope and prayer is that we can restore Christianity uh, to the public sphere. David Goodwin of the Association of Classical Christian Schools, ACCS, thank you for joining us on Washington Watch. Thank you. All right, friends, I want to remind you again to visit TonyPerkins.com for a link to all the resources that we've talked about on today's show. We've covered a lot. You don't want to miss it, so go back and check it out. Thank you for joining us this evening on Washington Watch. We'll see you next time. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.